So last week when we started Advent, Lamar, Carrie, their their family, they started us off in the lighting of the the candle and the reading of Scripture. And Lamar made a comment. He said that Advent is a participation in the anticipation of the coming of Christ. And I love that phrase that he used. Anticipation, when it is true, it always influences behavior. If you're really anticipating something, then it influences how you act. Specifically, you prepare. If you're really anticipating something, then you make preparations for that thing, that event, that moment, whatever it is that you are anticipating. You prepare for it. And so if we believe that Christ has come, and we believe that Christ is going to come again, that is going to influence how we live. If we really anticipate that, then we're going to prepare for that moment. If you believe in your heart that there is going to come a time at any moment that that you don't know when that moment is going to come, but at any moment... You will stand before Jesus, you will see Him face to face, and there will be a time where you will give an account for your life. If you believe that, and you're anticipating that moment, and you're excited about that moment, it will change, it will influence how you live. Someone who says, yes, I, I'm longing for that. But you look at their life and... There's nothing that excites them about God or godly things or living according to His Word. Then you know something's something doesn't add up. Something doesn't match up. If you really are anticipating, if you're really excited, it changes changes how you live. You're preparing for that moment. Our theme this year for Advent is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus referred to this often. In a lot of his teaching, he talked about the kingdom of heaven. It is a very real place. It exists right now. The way that that it exists now for us, it is a spiritual realm. It is as real as the one that we are in on this earth. But we can't see it visibly yet. One day, however, we will live in it in reality. The kingdom of heaven will be our home. We will have real resurrected bodies. We're not going to be, as some people paint the picture, we're not going to be spirits or angels floating around in the clouds. We're going to live on a real earth, a new earth, with a real heaven that surrounds us. Resurrected bodies and and that kingdom of heaven will be our home. Today... We live, as Christians, if you are a believer, we live in the kingdom of this earth, the reality of this earth, but we also live within that spiritual realm, the kingdom of heaven. And is is that mysterious? Absolutely. But our faith calls us to believe that and to seek it. This kingdom has a king. The king is Jesus. The kingdom has citizens. 
And if you are a believer in Christ, you are one of those citizens. That kingdom has power. It is the most powerful kingdom there is. And that kingdom has ethics. If you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, there is a certain way that you are called to live. Citizens live by the ethics of that kingdom. We do that now imperfectly, but one day we will do it perfectly. And so true believers anticipate that day where all we will know is the kingdom of heaven and the king of heaven and living in that kingdom in perfection. And so we prepare for that moment. If you're really anticipating that, if you're really excited about that, then you prepare for it. And the way that we prepare for it is we pursue God, we pursue Christ, the king of the kingdom, and we do our best by the power of His Spirit to conform to the ethics of that kingdom. We live now as we will live then. We seek and we search and we pursue to mold our lives to the ethics of the kingdom that we will one day live in if we really anticipate it. It makes no other sense to live any other way. It makes no sense to say, I can't wait for that day, and I anticipate when I'll see Jesus, and I'm going to live with Him forever. But for right now, I'm just going to kind of do my thing. I'm going to live how I want to live. I'm going to live by the ethics of this world. I'm going to live by what feels right. That makes no sense. You don't really anticipate the coming of the kingdom. So we have to know that. And so Jesus would teach us by His Word what the kingdom of heaven is life is like. And He wants us to grow in it. Even in, in this life, even in the imperfection of the kingdom, you still have to grow in that. You don't become a believer and you're just immediately zapped with all the maturity that you're going to have on this earth. There's a growth process. Kevin preached about that last week when he talked about the seeds of the kingdom of heaven. That's how Jesus described it. Seeds grow. And all, all believers should be desired, should be desiring to do that, to be rooted in Christ and growing, maturing. And growth is a process. And that is sometimes frustrating. Sometimes we're frustrated with ourselves. We wish we were getting it quicker, growing quicker. Often we're frustrated with others. We wish they were getting it quicker. We wish they were growing faster than they are. Sometimes growth is completely invisible. There's a lot that's happening under the surface with that seed before you first see that plant pop up. You can't see that under the surface. Growth is a process. It starts small in us and then our desire should be it grows to a place of abundant fruit. So if you're a believer, it's man, give yourself to that. How exciting to be able to spend this life growing and maturing in Christ-likeness and godliness and you'd be able to say, I want all of that I can have in this life. I want to be as prepared as I can for the kingdom when I see Jesus. And that becomes the cry of the heart of a true disciple that we want that more than anything else. And so Jesus teaches us about the kingdom of heaven, about what those ethics look like, about what that spirituality looks like, about what it looks like to be mature in the kingdom. 
And he uses parables often to do that. And today, in this parable, he gives us a key ingredient to growth. Something that all of us must have. One of the most important ethics there is in the kingdom of heaven. Humility. And he tells this parable that Sam read to us earlier. The context in Luke chapter 14 is Jesus is again eating at the house of a leading Pharisee. So if you go to chapter 14, verse 1 through 6, you'll see that Jesus has been invited to a home of a Pharisee, one of the religious people of the day, one of the people that Jesus, Pharisees, he was always in contention with a lot of them and and, and that was one of the groups that ultimately would lead to his arrest and to his murder on the cross. But he would eat with them. He would spend time with them. And so he's at the home of one of these Pharisees. Some scholars think he may have been the guest of honor. We don't know that for sure. But there was a dinner and he may have been the guest of honor. And we have to kind of put ourselves in that culture. We have to kind of understand, because I don't know that you know, like Sam was talking about, maybe we go places today and there's a certain seat or position that we want to be in in a dinner. Maybe we've experienced that before, but culturally in that day it was a really big deal. So most of the time you'd probably have a table that was a, a U-shaped table. And at the center of that U-shaped table would be the guest of honor. The person that the dinner was being given for. And the seats closest to that person were the most prestigious. It was the most honorable of the seats. And the seats furthest away from that guest of honor that was considered the less honorable seats. And so we are told in verse 7 the motivation for why Jesus tells this parable. He's at this dinner, maybe he's the guest of honor, but there's definitely a guest of honor. And here's verse 7. Here's what happened that caused Jesus to tell this parable. He told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they would choose the best places for themselves. So here's what happens. Jesus is at this dinner Maybe he's the guest of honor, but there is a guest of honor, and Jesus is watching and he's looking and he notices that there's a whole lot of people scrambling to get the best seats. And and you can, you know, it, it might have been almost kind of a, a humorous thing that Jesus is calling this out, but he's seeing these people coming in and, and there's this scramble, maybe some fighting, there's some jockeying for position, they're trying to get up there quickly, maybe they're trying to cause a distraction, they want the best seat. And Jesus notices that. And that's the motivation for him telling this parable. And here's the question. Why did they want the best seat? And the answer is, they were seeking their own honor. They wanted the privilege. They wanted, if they couldn't be the person, they wanted to be the person next to the person. If they weren't the guest of honor, they wanted to be as close to them as they could. They wanted the prestige. And so Jesus, seeing that in this room, says, let me tell you guys a story. Let me give you a parable here. Let me give you some instructions. When you're invited by someone to an important dinner, like a wedding banquet, 
Don't just go sit in the place of honor. And like Sam said, this is really very practical. If you just skip the spiritual ramifications of this, which we, we are not going to do, but just the practicality of it is there. Look, when you go into a room and there's some important seats and some less important seats, don't rush to get the important seat. Because if you do that, something really embarrassing may happen to you. That guest of honor may look at you and say, hey, I'm sorry, but this seat isn't for you. I'm, I'm saving this for someone. And then you're going to have to get up and you got to do the walk of shame. And you got to go all the way to the end and you're going to sit down next to that person that had already assumed that lowly position and you're going to sit next to them and they're going to kind of look at you sideways and be like, huh, how'd that work out? What you doing over here? Thought you were going to be at the head of the table. Jesus says just avoid the embarrassment. Avoid the humiliation. I mean, you might get to keep the seat, but you might not. So Jesus says, here's, here's what you should do. When you go in, take the lower seat. Now, He doesn't guarantee you, the way Sam said, he preached this section, but He doesn't guarantee that you're going to move. So there is this kind of false humility that you can engage in where you say, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to do the lowly thing and then and I'm going to get recognized. It may not happen. But Jesus said it might. It might be a time where you assume the lowest position and that guest of honor says, hey, I was saving this seat for you. You come up here. And then Jesus says, if he chooses to do that, you will be honored. And everybody will see you being honored. So it's very practical. But ultimately, it's spiritual. The point of the story, the point of the parable was not Jesus just trying to save people from being embarrassed. This is spiritual. And when I say that, listen, there is life and death in what he says. This is not just a matter of good or bad. This is life or death that we get this. Look at verse 11. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And the one who humbles himself will be exalted. That is the thesis, that is the summary, that is the main point of this parable. That is an ethic of the kingdom of God, and that is life and death for us. That the person who exalts himself, they will be humbled. But the one who humbles themselves, they will be exalted. And I said every week, you should place yourself in the parable. I think Jesus wants us to do that. I think He wants us to connect with what He's teaching. So, let's place ourselves in this parable. Here's reality. Every one of us scramble in some way to get honor. Every one of us, in some way, are seeking our own honor. We are seeking privilege. We want to be made much of. 
We want to be important. We want to feel important. We want other people to recognize our importance. Nobody gets to walk through this life without feeling that pull. Because it is the very core of sin. It's the very core of humanity. That we want what is best for us, what we think is best for us, and we will do what we can to try and achieve that. Now, how that looks from person to person changes. What I think makes me feel important may be vastly different from something that you feel will make you important or feel important. How I feel honored, what's meaningful to me, may not be meaningful to you. It's something else for you. Likely you know what it is. But every one of us, we feel that pull. We want to be important. We want to have recognition. And Jesus still sees this in us. Just like He saw it in that room on that day, He still sees that in us. And if you are a believer, if you belong to Him, I guarantee you right now, He is working in your life to try and get that out of you. He is working in me to try and get that pride out of me that causes me to want to seek my own honor. And the work that He has to do through the Spirit, by His Word, and sometimes through our circumstance, is never pleasant. It's painful to have pride stripped away. Sometimes, to help us grasp humility, He has to humble us. And sometimes when we're humbled, we lash out in anger at Him or others. But He's trying to teach us an important lesson. And I don't think any of us can get out of having to learn this lesson. But I do think I can say the quicker we learn it, probably the more pain we will save ourselves from. He loves us enough to work this out of us. If He's not, if you can seek your own honor and your own privilege and and you can live in that pride and there's no pushback from the Spirit, that is a sign of spiritual danger. Pursue Jesus. Cry out to Him about your own salvation and ask Him to do this work because this is life and death. When when He says everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, there may be some people in this life that exalt themselves and they get away with it for their entire life. But one day they will stand before God and they will be humbled. That's the principle. That's life or death for us. I don't have a lot of fill in the notes, fill in the blanks for you today. Sorry about that for those who enjoy those. Um, I was gone all week and so didn't have a chance to really give you a lot there to work with. But I do have three kingdom principles that I want to cover. And so if you want to just write these down yourselves in those blanks, you can. And then we'll do a life truth here in just a moment. Three kingdom principles that I think we can learn from this passage and from Scripture in general. Number one, ethics of the kingdom. Jesus never forbids the pursuit of greatness. 
Jesus never forbids the pursuit of greatness. I, I can't think of a verse where He does. And if you have one, you're welcome to bring it to me after the service and, and we'll talk about it. But what I can think of is the times where the disciples are arguing about who the greatest will be. The times where they're want, they want the position of honor. So much so that a couple of them send their mom to go talk to Jesus and say, hey, can, you know, in your kingdom, can, can my, my son sit on your right and your left? Can they have those places of honor? And Jesus, he doesn't say to the disciples, you are sinning for wanting to be great. It is wrong for you to want to be excellent. He doesn't say that. He says, do you want to be great? Then here's what you do. Become a servant. He gives them the pathway to greatness. Complete opposite of the kingdom of this world. See, those ethics in the kingdom of the world is be made much of. Have people looking at you. Have people think well of you. Have people care about you, showing that care every single day. Have people serving you. You're on social media, have the most followers, the most friends. Have the most people liking your post. Be great by having people serve you, making most of yourself. That's the ethics of the kingdom of the world. The kingdom of heaven is the complete opposite. The ethics of the kingdom of heaven is make much of other people, not yourself. Care about other people more than you care about yourself. Love others more than you love yourself. The ethics of the kingdom of heaven is humble yourself. That's the pathway to greatness. If you are in this room and you want to be a great dad, a great spouse, great mom, great employee, praise God for that. I would say the Bible says, desire that greatness that you may glorify Jesus in it. But yes, desire to be great. And here's how you get there. Become a servant. It is not what your flesh wants. It is not what my flesh wants. It is not what this world will value. But this world and this kingdom is dying. And the kingdom of heaven is growing and will one day be reality. So we prepare for it by living by those ethics now. Jesus even applies this to those of us who throw dinner parties. He says in verse 12 through 14, if you're going to throw a banquet, if you're going to throw a party, if you're going to throw a dinner, be really careful that your guest list is not just the people that you really like. Be real careful that you don't just say, hey, if I, if I, if I do something nice for these people, they'll pay me back. Uh, hey, if I invite them, I, they got a condo at the beach. I might get it for a week. Uh, they might make, they post on social media all the time. They might tag me in it. I, 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 this person right here, like, they got some wealth. So when they're gone, maybe I'll, I'll be in the will. Or simply just, I love being around those people. Those are, those are, those, that's my group. That's my core. That's, that, that's them. I love being around them. So that's, that's who's, who I'm inviting to the party. And Jesus says, be careful about those things. 
I'm not saying you can't ever invite your, you know, those close friends to things, but Jesus says you need to spend some time, invite some people who can't do anything for you back. Invite people who don't have anything. Invite people you don't know very well. Now you're serving. Now you're being a servant. So kingdom principle, number one, Jesus doesn't forbid greatness. He just tells us how to get there. It's by serving. Kingdom principle number two. God will make a place for you and your gifts. God will make a place for you in the way that He has designed you and created you, and He will make a place for your gifts. The one who humbles himself will be exalted. Verse 11. Why are we tempted to exalt ourselves? I think the reason that we're tempted to exalt ourselves is we're afraid that if we don't, we'll get overlooked. That, that if I don't take care of promoting myself and putting myself before people, if I don't make sure that I'm being seen, if I don't, if, if I don't make sure that I, people are recognizing me and what I do, then I, I may get overlooked. I may not get that honor. And you know what? What you're doing may be well-deserved of honor. But what the kingdom calls us to do, what these ethics calls us to do, is to believe that the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Who will exalt them? Ultimately, God. God will not overlook what you've done. You are free from having to worry about making sure people know what you've done because the one person in the universe that matters has seen what you have done. And when you do those things in secret, when you do those things just to serve, just to love, just to worship Him, He sees that and He honors that. And there's some principles in the Bible, I think, tell us the more something's done in secret, the more honor will come with it. God knows how He's created you. You may know what your purpose to do. Most of the time when we start understanding our spiritual gifts and how God has created us, yes, we know I'm purposed to do this. But God knows what your purpose to do and when your purpose to do it. And so you let God make room for you and your gifts and what He has given for you to do. You let God do that because He's a better judge than we are of when we should be doing something. And then kingdom principle number three, being exalted before you are ready will end in your humiliation. Being exalted before you are ready will end in your humiliation. That's verse 11 again. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. Again, what you do and the gifts that you have, it may be worthy of honor and being exalted, but if you try to push that before you're ready... It may end in embarrassment and humiliation. Scrambling to try to get your own honor will never work out the way you want it to. Ever. Pushing yourself to try to get recognition from others will never end the way you want it to end. Never. 
And it will likely cause a lot of damage to other people in the process. You will hurt others in the process of trying to exalt yourself. And even if it seems to work out here, again, there will be a day where we will stand before Christ, the judgment seat of Christ, and we'll be rewarded, or we will lose reward based on how we lived. And on that day, everything will be revealed. I could fool most of you. I don't mean that offensively. I'm just saying I can. You can think I'm the most godly guy because I'm the one up here preaching. I'm the pastor. You can think I've got it all together. I'm a man of integrity. I'm a spiritual, giant, mature person. And you know what? It's possible none of that's true. I'm not saying that to you to say I'm a hypocrite or living a life you don't know about. I'm saying I could fool you. God knows. And one day He will reveal it to everyone. If I am who I want to be, and who I present myself to be, I don't have to prove that to you. He will reveal it. Now the warning to me or anyone else is, if I'm a hypocrite, He can reveal that at any time He wants in the most embarrassing and humiliating way He chooses to do it. But even if He didn't, that humiliation will come at the judgment seat of Christ. And I think it will be public. On the contrary, if I'm, or any of us, are godly people who want to live with integrity and we want to do the right thing and everyone around us criticizes us and doesn't believe that, we don't have to prove it to them. God will reveal it. And one day He will reveal it at the judgment seat and it will be public. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. So I want to wrap up these thoughts with this life truth. How do we get there? <laughs> like you can't, this is just one of those things, like you can't go home and just do humble exercises. And here's the thing, the moment you think, oh, hey, I'm getting there, I'm pretty humble, you've got to start all over, right? Two things. I think there are two keys to being this person of humility who lives in this ethic of humility in the kingdom, in this life truth, your ability to humble your heart is tied to your gratitude for the gift of salvation and trust in God for your place at His table. Your ability to humble your heart is tied to your gratitude for the gift of salvation and to your trust in God for your place at His table. I use the language there, humble your heart, because this isn't just about practical humility, it's also about humility in our heart. Like Sam said, you can take that lowest position, you can serve, and you can be doing it for the wrong reasons, because you want the recognition. You want that honor that will come. If I, if I do this, then I'll get honor. 
Like we need humility that starts in our heart that has one desire. I want to worship Jesus. I want to serve Christ. I want, I want to, I want Him. I want, I want Him to see. I want to do things that please Him. And, and who He lets come across what I've done, who He lets see how He exalts me, it's up to Him. One pastor used to say, like, every time I preach, every time I record something, it's, it, to me it's like I'm throwing a pebble into a little creek. How far those ripples go, I can't determine that. It's up to God. He determines how far the ripples go. My job is going to throw the, throw the pebble. Alright, so two things there. Your ability to humble your heart is tied to two things. One, your gratitude for the gift of salvation. When Jesus says, the one who humbles himself will be exalted, and the one who exalts himself will be humbled, he's giving you a salvation principle. Kingdom citizens have to know they do not deserve to be invited to God's table, and therefore they are grateful to be there. Kingdom citizens say, I don't care where my seat is. I am grateful to have been invited to the king's table. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve to be here. I don't deserve the invite. I don't deserve for him to serve me. If I'm at the table, praise God. I'm grateful. That type of attitude is what destroys pride in us. Over in Ephesians chapter 2, if you want to turn there, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures, a couple of passages and verses from Ephesians 2. By the way, if you don't have a copy of God's Word, we'd love to give you a copy today as a gift from our church, so just let me or Nick know after the service, we'll get you one. Paul describes salvation this way. I know probably a lot of you are familiar with this passage, but just let these words just wash over you because it describes everyone in this room as a believer. You were dead. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, the ethics of the kingdom of the world, according to the rulers of the power of the air and the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children of wrath as others were also. In other words, we were no different than anyone lost. Verse 4, but God. Listen, it's not but me, but this circumstance, but this thing that happened, but my eyes were open, but, uh, or, but I opened my eyes, or, or but I did this. It is but God. That's the answer to everything that just the transformation from being dead to being alive, from being in the kingdom of the world to being in the kingdom of heaven, but God. Being rich in mercy because of His great love that He had for us, made us alive with Christ even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavens in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages He might display the immeasurable riches of His grace through His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. We are His workmanship. Listen, 
take any ounce of boasting that you would find in your testimony and throw it away. There's none. There is no boasting in your salvation. There is not one single thing that you bring to the table if you are in Christ. There is not one thing that you will ever be able to say before God, before man. There's nothing that anyone will ever be able to say on your account that will boast in you for your salvation. It is all about Him. It is all about what He has done. All of it. If there's one ounce in you that takes credit for your salvation, then you can say, I kind of deserve to be here. Look how hard I've worked. Look at what I've done. Look what I've overcome. All of that is gone. You are at the table because it is His gift. A gift is not something you earn. You get nothing. You give nothing. When I was a kid, my mom would give me $10 and she would take me to this little store in Centerpoint. I think it was called Country Corner. And she would drop me off in front of it. And, and she would, she would wait outside and she would let me go in with that $10 and buy her a birthday gift. She did that for years. And I was so excited to go in there and pick her something out and bring it to her. And you know what? When I would give her that gift, she delighted in it. She delighted in that gift. But it wasn't a real gift because she paid for it. She delighted in what I gave her that she paid for. We live in the grace and the gift of God. And even the greatest sacrifice we make, He paid for. Every work we do, He paid for. He delights in us when we serve. He delights in us when we sacrifice. But He paid for it. And if you look at this, verse 7, in the coming ages for all of eternity, you and I will be a testimony to the immeasurable grace of God. We will boast in Him for all of eternity. So, our humility is in our gratitude for this gift. I didn't earn it. I don't deserve to be at the table. God, put me where you want me to be. I'm thankful to be here. And then secondly, it's tied to trusting in God. Gratitude for the gift and, and trusting in Him. In other words, you let God decide when you're honored. You let Him decide. You serve you take advantage of the opportunities He gives you. You point to Jesus. You do everything you can in humility. You do that in every sphere of your life, whether your career, your, your home, family, your, your church. You do your best to serve, to worship Him and live by His kingdom ethics, and you trust Him. You trust Him. Over in Philippians one book over, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Here's the instructions. Here's the instructions of the kingdom ethics. Church, do nothing out of selfish ambition. But in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interest, but rather to the interest of others. Listen. You can't do that on your own, and I can't do it on my own. 
Because that is not how we are geared to live. But in Christ, we can. In Christ, we can live this life where in humility we consider other people more important than ourselves. I'm going to worry about someone else's deal more than my own. And the immediate question is, well, wait a minute, who's going to worry about my deal? And the answer is God. He will honor you when He's ready. And why do we live this way? The rest of that passage in Philippians. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, He emptied Himself by assuming the form of a servant and taking on the likeness of humanity. And when He had come as a man, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted Him and gave Him the name that is above every name. Church, Jesus is not asking us to do anything He hasn't already lived. In the manger, in Advent... He emptied Himself. He left His throne, became a man, dwelt among us, and lived as a servant. And what we are told is, adopt that same attitude. And it is not easy, but if Christ is with you, if Christ is in you through faith, He will help you. He will strengthen you. And God will exalt you in His time. He will exalt you in His time. Kevin said last week that the seeds of the kingdom mean you're going to have to preserve, uh, excuse me, persevere with joy. There's going to be times where waiting on God, you're going to wait on Him and wait on Him and wait on Him. And you know what? Some people will die in this life having never received earthly honor. But when we stand before Jesus, we stand before Him, we will be honored. Let God decide when to lift you up. I know what it's like to want something really bad. I know what it's like to, to feel like you're being overlooked. Know what it's like to feel like your time's never going to come. To want that importance. And the Bible says, let God decide that for you. Trust Him. Be grateful for what He has done. And trust Him. If you try to do it yourself, it will end in humiliation. But if you let Him do it, he will honor you at the right time. Our prayer focus for this week on the front of your worship guide is from 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that He may exalt you at the proper time. I took the focus off of, I think Sam wrote it, but it was our daily devotional, I think it's for today, the prayer on the mobile guide if you're doing the Advent reading. Pray that the Lord will allow us to follow our King in His earthly humility 
that we may exalt Him in His heavenly glory. What I love about that is that the point is when we follow the pattern of Christ and we humble ourselves, we are exalting Jesus where He is right now because people will see Him in us. They will know that we're living that way because of Christ. So we follow His pattern, not that we may be made much of, but we follow His pattern that we may make much of Him and God will decide what our honor looks like in the process. So I want us to pray that this week as a church and even this morning. I want to invite the worship team to come up. We're going to end in worship and prayer together, thinking about God's Word and and what He has said to us this morning. And and here's what I'd like to call us to. As the worship team comes up, I'm going to give them just a moment to settle in. And I want to ask you to to please hear, hear this. Not that song. I don't want to do the work of the Holy Spirit, but I do want to call us to something from God's Word. First of all, we need to repent of where we have sought our own honor where we know where God is revealing to us that we've been seeking our own privilege, our own importance, our own honor, that needs to be repented of. We should receive God's invite to His table. That invitation is for every person in this room. Every one of us is invited by grace to believe. So this morning, if, if, if all of this is foreign to you, if this whole idea of living in the kingdom of heaven and serving Christ and humbling yourself to be like Him, if all of that is foreign to you, it may be because you've never received that invitation. You've never accepted it. You've never pursued Jesus as your Lord. We live in the South. You're in church now. You've probably been in church a lot your whole life. Sometimes we have to cut through the religion. We have to cut through the traditions. We have to cut through these things. We say, like, oh, I've been there and I've done that. No, right here today, do you trust in Jesus for the salvation of your soul from pride? Enough to humble yourself before Him. And if not, today's that day. Please see me, see Nick, Sam, any of us before you leave today so that we can pray with you. Repent, receive, and then ask God to help you wait on Him. To place you where He wants you to be and when He wants you to be there. Honor is in a lot of different forms. This is the one that came to my mind when I was preparing for the sermon. I don't know why, but I'll just give you, it's just what I, part of the illustration. For some people, the honor they seek is they're single, they want to be married. That's the honor they seek. I, I, I want the honor of being married. There's two ways to pursue that. 
by the kingdom of this world and the ethics of this world or by the kingdom of heaven and the ethics of Jesus. One way will end in humiliation. One way will end in exaltation. One way will be quicker. One way will require patient trust. That is one way honor works itself in our lives. One of many. Repent where you seek your own honor. Be grateful for God's invitation. And trust Him to place you where He wants you to be, when He wants you to be there. Got some prayer partners, they're going to come up. They're ready and willing to pray for you about anything this morning. If it's about this sermon, or if it's about something else, maybe it's physical healing, something that you brought in, that a burden that you want to be prayed for, that's what they are here to do. Father, I thank You this morning for Your Word. I thank You for Advent. I thank You that You have drawn near to us. God, humility is so incredibly hard. God, Your ethic is humble ourselves and trust You. God, help us to do that. I pray if there's anyone in this room who doesn't know Christ as their Savior, as their Lord, that today would be the day they would humble themselves that they might be saved. And they would receive Your invitation to come sit at the table. They would believe with all of their heart that You've invited them there. And they have a place because of Your work. And God, for those of us who are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, help us to be patient and to trust You to place us where You want us to be when You want us to be there. Help us this morning to repent of our pride. In Jesus' name. If you want to talk about anything going on in your life with your relationship with Jesus, I'll be over here. would love to talk with you. Pray together and let's worship. Amen.